0: With the world standing still and the media switching their focus to a deadly virus, the primary election has taken a back seat but is far from over. Today on the Spent the Rent podcast, we are joined by a man who has been traveling the country, spreading the message of equity, equality, and Medicare for all. Coming up next canvassing for Bernie, social distancing, and COVID 19 with James Barber. <music>
1: Welcome to the Spent the Rent Podcast. I am your host, Patty Rose. My guest today is a dear friend
0: of the podcast. Welcome back for the sixth time, James Barber. Thanks. Glad to be here. Yeah, so uh, it's always fun to have you. You're one of my favorite guests, if not my favorite guest. Sorry, everyone else. Uh, uh, You know, this tone of this episode is going to be a lot different than what I initially intended because when we booked it, Uh, We were going to talk about Bernie Sanders. There was a lot of momentum. Things were going really good pre-Super Tuesday. And obviously things have changed a little bit. And you are somebody that I turn to for inspiration to not give up the fight. And so that's why I'm still glad. I mean, that's the cool thing about what we do when you come on is, is that... Even if things are altered because we schedule it a month and a half in advance, we always adapt and have such a great conversation. So
2: yeah, I think in the last month and a half, everything has changed. Not just with the percent, but the world.
0: 100%. And I mean, initially we had titled this episode, Canvassing for Bernie, and we were going to talk about... Iowa and Nevada and California, the states that you've been canvassing in, and we're still going to do that, but we're going to also touch on COVID-19, coronavirus, and uh, social distancing, the cancellations of, of America and the world, <laughs> you know, you know, I mean, everything is canceled, and so we got a lot to unpack, and so again, thanks for being here. As people say, this
2: cancel culture is getting so tiring. I,
0: I've made the joke that I stole from someone else too, that yeah, cancel culture is is at an all-time high. <laughs> It's crazy. And we'll get to some of that in a little bit. The reason that I wanted to have you on though, was we were going to talk about Bernie Sanders and the campaign. And so let's do that first. And then we'll talk about uh, COVID-19 in a bit. bit. So uh, you've been canvassing across the country. And uh, if anybody is listening and isn't familiar with James, then you probably haven't listened to this show, but uh, I recommend you follow, you know, listening, you follow James's Facebook page because you post a lot of videos Talking about your travels. Uh, Why don't you just tell me what it is that you've been doing?
2: Yeah. So I basically decided that I'm going to do whatever I can to help get Bernie elected this time, uh, more so than I did in 2016. So this time that meant I went to Iowa for two and a half weeks. I went to Nevada for a few days uh, for the caucuses. And then I also went to California for a few days. Yeah. So just timing wise, I couldn't and Work, but I couldn't spend as much time as I wanted to in California, in, uh, California and Nevada. But you know, so far, everywhere that I've gone, Bernie has won. Uh, I mean, coincidence, that, yeah, Maybe. I, th-
0: I think not. So, uh, <laughs> in Nevada, I want to get we're going to talk about Iowa because the craziness, but well, let's talk about that first and then we'll get to Nevada, sure. So, Iowa, if people remember, I mean, it seems like an eternity ago, the caucuses. Ended up being really sloppy with the, the the results, and you know I said it last week with when I was talking to Pat Miller, I don't think that that's such a huge fiat I mean, huge deal. I mean, it, it is a bad deal for the media, but we don't need the results to the first
2: caucus within the first four hours. I mean, people were going crazy. We don't, but the campaigns do. Okay. So the it's, campaigns, it's not the, it's not just the media that takes advantage of all the eyeballs wondering what the results are. The campaigns, whoever wins that greatly benefits they get a little it, they get a huge boost in media exposure that is nationwide they get a whole bunch of money that pours into their campaign because they're the lead now and so nobody got to take advantage of that which, which pete pete tried to take advantage of that right. by declaring himself the winner at the end of the night uh but even that it was a little bit um it was a bit late it seems so like everybody was
0: taking credit for that klobuchar if you remember, was like,
2: Oh my gosh, I got better than first. I got third. (laughs) I think that was some of the media that, that painted that. I don't remember if she said that. No, 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 it was, there was definitely some things that she was able to take out of that, that were positive. She overperformed expectations. Um, If people are still thinking about, or even care about this, um, Pete Buttigieg, he overperformed expectations so if he had just worded things slightly differently and and made it clear that he was it was a victory for his campaign and based on their expectations and not that he was declaring victory period right uh he wouldn't have taken so much heat and it would have been able to play off a lot better. I think it would have made him look better too yeah uh, nobody would have been able to argue with that, but the way that he did it, a lot of people were just really dismissive of him and his campaign at that point. And um, it, it left a lot of lingering feelings going into each race thereafter. So. Right. What was the feeling like in Iowa where people are people were, I mean, this is
0: a long time ago and a lot's changed and we're going to progress as this episode goes on. But at that time it was the big story in Iowa. So used to having all of the candidates converge on Iowa. Yeah.
2: So in, on the ground in Iowa, it really felt like, Bernie and Pete were the two people. So Pete, we knew from the beginning that he was putting all of his eggs in that basket. He had spent, you remember he had 25 million or so, or 24 million during his first quarter that he earned uh, or that he had for donations. He had been pouring all of that into Iowa from the beginning. So he has had people on the ground there from the beginning. Um, It was no surprise that, Everywhere that we would go, especially out in the rural areas, which is where I was canvassing, uh, he had a presence on the ground. He was there early, and it was an, it was effective. Yeah. So it's amazing how how that ground game affects everything. Yeah. Uh, you would think, yeah, but he's a first-time mayor, doesn't really have much experience. But when you're on the ground and you're talking face-to-face, it impacts people, and it makes a difference. And even if that person has no shot moving forward or very little shot moving forward. there's a lot of people that decide they're gonna vote for that person just yeah. because they interacted with them and they talked to them and it's hard to change the minds of that that's what this is why the uh, it's such a challenge having ten or more uh, candidates in the race as opposed to just two like in 2016. Right. So one of the things you saw was uh, people, pointing to Bernie's numbers as being worse than twenty sixteen. Well, in twenty sixteen he only had to beat one person, and in this one he had to beat ten plus people. Right. And you're you're not just competing against that one person. You're competing against all of those campaigns and all of their resources on the ground. All the people that are volunteering for them, all the door knocking that they're doing, and ten candidates interacting personally with With voters and an interaction with a voter, even if they don't exactly align with your views, if you're going to reach people that the other candidates aren't, you're more likely to get their vote.
0: Because those people feel heard, you know, essentially a lot of times. I mean, that's what it really comes down to.
2: It's more than feeling heard, but they, when they get a chance to look you in the eyes and if you're a good politician, they're going to believe you and they're going to Engender some trust right and it's that trust that carries
0: that's the thing and not to get off the presidential thing but we do have an oregon primary coming up And doyle canning that's what she's been doing with the rural communities yeah is she's has people working canvassing but her herself and her campaign manager and her husband have been out meeting face to face with rural voters that typically go more conservative a lot and she's she's getting a lot of support. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that turns out. Good. So quick, that's so, how you
2: win. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so traditionally that's how you win. Yeah. Um, I mean, super Tuesday kind of upended
0: that. Sure. <laughs> and then, you know, we'll get to some of that once we get through the three States, we're going to cover because there's some question marks and I want to get your yeah. thoughts on that, you know, but uh, California, or so Nevada was next after Iowa for you. And so we'll
2: button up Iowa real quick. Sure. Uh, I mean, Iowa, obviously big fiasco. Um, I was, I was, I attended a caucus. So I I was there for two and a half weeks. I finished at a caucus in a small rural town and we didn't have any issues there. So the app worked just fine for uh, the folks who were in charge there. I was a precinct captain for Bernie. So I got to give a speech on his behalf and uh, we ended up getting tied for first from delegates from that district. So we ended up actually, we actually won the coin toss in mine uh, to get us tied for that. So it was a pretty interesting scenario. How did that work? The coin toss? Yeah. So uh, Amy Klobuchar actually had the most people turn out by just a few. We didn't have very many people that turned out in this caucus. Um, But she had 12 or 13. We had 10. Biden's campaign had 10. And then Pete's campaign had 6. So uh, because of the way that the numbers split out, we ended up, somebody had to lose a delegate. And okay. so it was going to go between Biden and Bernie's campaign. And so they flipped or they called it, they lost, we won the delegate. So wow. Wow.
0: They just have yeah. a coin that has the head of, of each candidate on each side. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the Super Bowl, Especially minted. Wow. So, um, that's, I mean, there was a big thing for Bernie, but like you said, the momentum wasn't there because the media had wanted results immediately. And that's why I feel like, I mean, like you said, if the results, the way that it's been done over the last, however, 40 years or whatever, it's it's pretty, uh, it's pretty major that when you pull out and you ended up, you know, we, they tied for delegates, like you said, yeah, but it ends up looking like it's not a win, you know? So that's tough.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that was the uh, challenge. I mean, when it, what we've been facing as a campaign is everything from the corporate media and the mainstream media has been designed to play against us. Right. And so this was uh, in this part it was more more than that. It felt like the Iowa Democratic Party was also working against us because when they rolled out the results, they did it very slowly. The results they put out was like the best case scenario where Pete was and everything that came out after that was closing the gap yeah, between yeah. Pete and Bernie and it came it happened so slowly. And the Iowa Democratic Party put out results that were clearly wrong on a number of precincts. Uh, Anybody following Twitter can see people reported exactly what was happening at every precinct. Not quite every precinct, but enough that you could see, wait a second, this doesn't match up with what the party is putting into their system. And so the information is out there and the Iowa democratic party certified the results. Anyways, knowing that there was a whole bunch that were wrong. Now, why did they do that? I don't know. It might have just been a money thing because campaigns, if they request a re-canvas or a recount, campaigns have to pay for that. So if they're in a situation where they don't want to keep spending money to keep going over all these results because they got screwed up the first time they inputted it, if they want somebody else to foot the bill, they're going to certify it. And then the campaigns are going to have to call for it. So it could just be a money situation, but either way, it's shady as hell that you would certify results that are clearly wrong. Like there were some precincts where they had inputted the results from other precincts. There were a whole bunch of votes that were attributed to Deval Patrick that were Bernie's. And so you had like one precinct where it was like 400 people showed up for Deval Patrick.
0: Right. I mean, they should always show up for Patrick, but (laughs) (laughs) no. So, so uh, that was interesting. And then there was the whole talk about the bite or the Buddha camp Campaigner, How was it? Who, how did it work with the funding for the app?
2: Oh, the app. Okay. So yeah, last week's podcast, you got that just a little bit wrong. You and uh, Pat, I wouldn't, I would um, imagine
0: that that's probably the case on a lot. of. It things. wasn't
2: only 5,000 bucks that was spent. Uh, Buddha judges campaign paid. I think it was 46,000. Okay. Uh, for work from that same company, from the shadow company, uh, too close. Yeah. Uh, for work from the shadow company now that doesn't necessarily mean anything sinister so there's a lot of conspiracies around this there's certainly reason for concern i guess among conspiracy-minded folks but if you think about it uh, pete's campaign had somebody who worked Uh, the husband either the husband or the wife worked on his campaign and the husband or the wife is the ceo or one of the head people with the shadow company the company that developed the app. So when you think about just your normal everyday interactions, and if you own a business, you're going to be aware of that company just because you have a high up who has a spouse that's a high up. So when you put out to your campaign, if you're the candidate, you're going to go, Hey, uh, we need a data source. Who should we go to? That person's going to say, Hey, my wife works for this company. We should check them out see if they can handle it. And of course they're going to do that. So it's not necessarily anything shady going on there in my mind. I mean, it doesn't mean that there isn't sure, but it's not just a direct line. It's not enough to clearly because they use this company. It points to all kinds of weird things. No, I don't think so. I mean, if, if there's a way that you can uh, explain it without having to dig into a bunch of conspiracies, it's, it might be the case. Right. (laughs) And
0: then, you know, it's, it's hard with these companies. I don't know if I'd call it conflict of interests, but it's hard because the people that are going to be motivated to create these products, like the app, are people that are politically minded that are involved. You know, because they're the ones that are passionate about it, and so
2: I don't know. Sure, you- and that's the reason for us to be skeptical of it. <clears throat> right. Uh, it's also the reason for those companies to be extra careful about how they do stuff. Sure. Now that company, they weren't they weren't that careful. And I they- mean, they basically they they used an app that was not finished. They used a beta version of the app that it, it hadn't gone through the app store or anything. They didn't release any of the code to anybody ahead of time because they thought that it would be more secure despite basically a consensus among the tech community that, no, it's more secure when the code's out there and everybody can see what it is and make sure that it's not being fiddled with. Right. Um, so that's just the situation. They made a number of bad mistakes and just having that tie. To the Buttigieg campaign didn't help them. It
0: didn't help either them or Bernie. I mean, and then, you know, it seemed at that time, it seemed as if the establishment, whatever you want to call it, of the Democratic Party was the one that took the hit. And then it hasn't played out that it seemed to hurt them. So we'll see. We'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. Oh, it definitely hurt them. It hurt uh, them. It hurt them in the big scheme of things. I don't think that the DNC and the Democratic Party as a whole can have a
2: lower approval rating. You know, I mean, I mean because yes, at this you're point, right. I mean on a national. They basically level. so the the biggest fallout of that for the Democratic Party in the DNC is everybody's eyeballs was on that and they have to make the case that, you know, whoever we nominate is gonna serve better as a president than Donald Trump. And how do you how do you show that? when you can't even handle an election and a primary an election count in a primary. And yeah, I do
0: so. want to talk about this in a bit. I'm going to keep saying that we're going to have to, cause we have a lot to talk about, but there's, there's issues with Biden. We're going to get to that. Cause I wanted to get Absolutely. your thoughts on that. And, and you've said it a lot on the show and I totally respect it and agree that Let's have a primary, though, because people are like, "Oh no, like don't badmouth anybody. as they badmouth Bernie? That's what Pat was doing the entire episode last week. so F you Pat. but, uh, <laughs> you know he I, I just kept calling it, and I just kind of let him go, and I love Pat to death and and that's the beauty of these discussions is that we're just working things out here and learning from each other and and whatnot. But, yeah, primaries are needed, and if you're gonna set rules, they need to apply to everybody, and we can get to that in a bit. But then, so let's move on, because we've got some states I sure. want to cover, and then we'll, we'll talk about Biden and all that. So the next one for you was Nevada, Nevada. And this one was really cool because
2: you had a special position that you held. Tell us about that. Yeah, so Nevada, I signed up to be a precinct chair. So in Iowa, I was a precinct captain, which was for the Bernie campaign. I was not associated with the Iowa Democratic Party. I was there on Bernie's behalf. In Nevada, I decided... I'm signing up to be a precinct chair. This is through the Nevada Democratic Party. So I so I can basically make sure that all the numbers and things turn out well, that it's handled properly, uh, the whole caucus is. And I went out there a few days before. I did a little bit of canvassing. And then uh, I, the host, the, the family who hosted me out there, was actually the site leader for where we do the caucuses. So we had eight precincts at the location where we caucused. And I ended up being a caucus chair for four of those precincts. So I was able to help all those voters and make sure that all the numbers were right and turned in correctly. I verified them all as they were being reported. Everything, everything turned out good from our precinct sort of S- sort so, of. <laughs> so I, the reason I actually from my precincts, there was no issues. Um, technically no issues. The problem is, is, uh, the Nevada democratic party, what they used was a, google form or google sheet for reporting purposes and as a precinct chair you go through step by step uh this i'm going to call it an app because it's basically what it is it's basically an app that they use they didn't want to call it an app because of what the iowa fiasco with the app but um basically with their app you do account you input the numbers into the app it takes you to the next page it tells you step by step what to do okay um the problem is, is Nevada had early voting, so you had a whole bunch of early vote ballots that people were able to rank choice, one, two, three, four, five. Okay, and they could have. It was actually for each round, so they could have just filled out the first round. They could have filled out the same person for every round. They could have changed their vote for each round. They could have went from their first preference to no preference after that. Um, any of those options are available, and. What happens is is when we got the material for being a precinct chair, there was supposed to be an envelope that had the early ballots in it so that we can have them on hand in case our app doesn't work. And there's a number of precincts that that happened where the app didn't work and they didn't, they weren't able to access that because they actually didn't send us out any of the ballots, the early vote ballots. So now we're relying on them inputting the information into this app and the app calculating it correctly based on what's happening on the ground. And after seeing what happened in Iowa, when they clearly certified wrong information, because it was input incorrectly, I had little trust sure. in those early ballots and I had no way to verify it. So one of the precincts at our location had, uh, it was something like 45 voters total, which was, 29 early votes and this this precinct was worth four delegates uh, so first round in order to be viable you had to have seven people in your corner Bernie was the only one that was viable in that one he had nine so in the first round he was the only one viable all those early votes were basically split up a bunch of among a diff- bunch of different people and there were six people in person that were split up among other candidates and so when it went to the second round This app requires you to input how the in-person people realign before it assigns the early votes and how they realign based on that. So that's the first problem because uh, if you needed seven to align, the in-person people should have had the information on where the early votes were going first so that they could, if they wanted to, they could all as a group combine with one of the early voters and make somebody viable. Uh-huh. Right? They could have made 7 pretty easily cuz there was what happened after the realignment was 20 of those went to Bernie. So Bernie ended up with uh, 29, 31 in that case, and none of the other 9 were assigned to anybody. So it didn't tell us if it didn't tell us what happened to those other 9 votes. It didn't tell us if they went to a candidate who was unviable. It just gave us zeros. So in this case, we didn't have Uh, paper ballots that we could look at and verify like maybe all the maybe all nine of those had just one person listed and then nothing or maybe they had one person listed and then that same person went all the way across but even if that was the case that would have been one vote and the other six people could have joined in with that one person and made somebody viable so but nobody did bernie got all four delegates in that precinct um so good result on our behalf but I was there, there was representatives from the other campaigns, and I told them, I said, Look, if I was with your campaigns, I would re canvas this precinct. Yeah. Because I don't buy it that these all the early voters just didn't do anything, those nine. Yeah. They didn't show us and so that's a disadvantage on their I part. I just don't understand
0: the whole viability. I get it, but like I don't understand why they don't just be Why doesn't one person, one vote? Like, why isn't it that if there's 10,000 people, then there's, you know, X amount of delegates.
2: I just don't get, it always has to be this hokey stuff. And then, yeah, the caucuses are messed up. And part of the reason is, is because these states use caucuses to basically fill up their party with volunteers, right? So they, they need these people to show up in person and then they need them to volunteer to move on and fill fill roles in the state party.
0: Right.
2: And so, yeah, it's definitely not one person, one vote. They give more weight to certain areas than other areas. Um, Which is it's, weird. It's very weird. I
0: mean, and I don't want you to throw shade or throw anybody under the bus, but did you get a sense that the volunteers were
2: qualified for the most part? Um, I mean, meaning not necessarily, I mean, there's of... training that everybody goes yeah. through, but people are just kind of thrown into this. So sure. the site leader at ours that whose house i was staying at she was great she had done it before but for her to handle all eight precincts it was a little overwhelming for her she thanked me profusely for being there because numbers work for me i'm also stay very calm and so i was able to help out quite a bit and so she was really thankful that i was there and i thought ours went really smoothly
0: Oh, that's um, good.
2: despite the fact that we actually, we were way short on volunteers and there was a lot of precincts that were way short on volunteers. So we had eight precincts. We should have eight precinct chairs. We only had three. Wow. So, so then the results in Nevada, uh, what,
0: what, how did that end up going? Uh,
2: Bernie killed Nevada, crushed it, crushed it. Uh, those, those numbers were amazing. He basically won every demographic except for. Two, I think. And so this, at this point, cause we do have to get through this. We're going to talk about California
0: too, but at this point, things are looking real good for Bernie.
2: Things were looking great for Bernie. Uh, he was nationally, they couldn't ignore him anymore. No, like and, they actually had to say some positive things and, about it. And
0: him. I want to say like on MSNBC, you could see some people's true colors. I've, I've changed my tone on a lot of people. Cause I flip channels when, when I'm watching the results, but, uh, what's her face? AM joy. She's horrible. because oh, Joy Reid? Yeah, because she just show, she hates Bernie Sanders. Oh, yeah, she does. And, you know, there's people that I admire. Obviously, Chris Matthews lost his career over what they're calling sexual harassment, but it was... No, it was comparing Bernie Sanders to Nazi Germany, which is ironic. But, I mean, it there, it is sexual harassment that he lost his job. But there's so many factors that it's like, dude, you've lost it all. Yeah. You're gone. And they were... But there was people there that were saying the positive things. And there still is. I see... People that are undying with their support, like Ro Khanna out of California, congressman that was on the news today talking about it. And, you know, there's a woman next to him with her eyes rolled so far back in her head, she's going
2: to fall over. But but still. The the reporting has just been abhorrent this this whole cycle. Yeah. Like the disdain from MSNBC and even CNN towards Bernie is ridiculous. Especially MSNBC. It was great seeing uh, MSNBC. They interviewed somebody before... Ne New Hampshire or right after you know, it was right before New Hampshire, and a gal said uh, they asked her who she voted for, she was like you know i'm I'm really open to any of them, but I voted for Bernie because uh I see how you guys do all this reporting, and it just made me feel bad for him <laughs> that's awesome so next
0: next was California, and this was on super Tuesday, so obviously Bernie had
2: a really good well, showing, South Carolina happened first sure but which you I'm threw talking a wrench into everything yeah well that's true California so we should touch on
0: that I'm, I'm really touching on the ones that you went to right but also South Carolina is where Biden and it was it was coming up it was a known thing that he was going to perform well because of uh, the support he's getting in the African-american community but South Carolina was humongous and then the media flipped yeah where the, where the media who was starting to kind of give Bernie some credit and then was it right before South Carolina that all the people dropped out?
2: No, right after right after so, so yeah biden he did horribly in the first three states yeah he was nowhere to be found nowhere to be found he just was not popular among everybody people knew like he campaigned a whole bunch in iowa and when people would go to his events they would see that like he's not all there like no. that this is not going to be the the person who's going to beat trump um there's a reason that he didn't do well in those first three states and so he ended up pulling back he committed all of his resources to winning in South Carolina. He didn't campaign in any of the super Tuesday States. He had basically nobody on the ground. He had one office open in California and that office was only barely open. Most of the time it was closed. Um, I, you know, an interesting thing is it's almost like other people. So you say he had nobody
0: on the ground, but what he did have on the ground was Pete Buttigieg's whole campaign, Amy Klobuchar's whole campaign for a couple of days, you know, that those well, no, but I mean, like, that. It that's how it ended up turning out. Like, those people that were doing... Sure. Because they did the legwork for themselves. Sure. And then, in the last... In the 11th hour, gave it to him.
2: You yeah, know? which is... It's strange, though, because when you looked at the polling for head-to-head, if all the candidates drop out, Bernie beat every candidate yeah. in the head-to-head. So... It just seems and, weird. And he had... Bernie was the second choice of a bunch of those other Candidate supporters as well. Right. But when this ended up happening, uh, what happened is Biden won South Carolina and suddenly the media crowned him. And the uh, people like to say, Bernie Bernie says the establishment, you know, uh, made Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar drop out and and he's right you know people oh, yeah. people will say no he didn't do that he got out because the numbers didn't work no that's baloney no but that's total baloney it's back doors that people um, are behind the scenes saying
0: like we won't fund your anything in the future if you don't do this i mean yeah
2: yeah something happened there it's a foot on the throat. something happened there because they don't just do that right before super tuesday now it was a brilliant move on the part of the establishment oh sure absolutely brilliant um, it obviously played out to great effect. They ended up, so despite Biden being almost broke, not having any money to campaign or advertise in any of these Super Tuesday states, he ended up getting $100 million worth of free media between Super Tuesday, or between South Carolina and Super Tuesday. $100 million, which is like Bernie is now, I, I think he had raised $160 million uh, just off of small dollar donors, which is way more than anybody else had raised. But when you get a hundred million that gets dumped in three or four days without stepping foot in the States, you you see the power of that in the results that happen on super Tuesday. Now, I mean, there could also have been some shenanigans because we saw that there was a major discrepancies with the exit polls between
0: the exit polls and the actual vote. And especially you look at California that the polls going into it, which you can't, you can believe exit polls. You cannot believe the pre-polls because pre voting polls whatever like app when you're going to vote but california's mail-in vote and all that yeah exit yeah, polls are
2: supposed to be pretty accurate um at least within a few percentage points like the un and any type of elections integrity folks they rely on exit polls to indicate whether there was election fraud
0: and there's a push right now for people to get the un to come in they won't but to get them yes. to come in and look at it they won't but i mean and it, we don't have a lot of time to to cover that. But I recommend anybody listening, just Google around. There's a lot of information about the exit polls, not lining up. When you look at the results at being at, and I'm throwing an arbitrary number out, so don't quote me, but it's like there's 60% of the reporting is done and this is the vote tally. And at 61% and it's a humongous swing. It's, it doesn't seem likely that I don't know. So as far as those numbers roll in and it's very questionable. Sure. And then the turnout, or the turnout for Bernie in California, or the, as far as the margin of victory in California was a lot less than was expected.
2: Yeah. And that's quite, quite a bit less. That was a huge
0: shock. But as time has gone by, and this has been now a couple of weeks, those margins, he's it's he's gone up. I mean, he's ended up getting more delegates. That's The media obviously is occupied with coronavirus. Right. But there's he's he's closed that gap. I mean, people are saying that it's over and he's down by like 100 delegates. 153, 100, I think. Yeah. Which is... You know, I mean, obviously in New York, if he performs well, that could be a huge change. Yeah, 153.
2: So, it's still it's still a challenge. So, uh, what we'll button up California? I went to California. I went to um, I was a couple hours east of L.A. and it was great. I actually canvassed uh, heavy Latino neighborhoods. Awesome. And it was like 99 percent for Bernie. And that's been like, a
0: shift this time. That's different. That the, it's funny that the media it's like the darlings. are the group of the minority group that is supporting the candidate that they like, Yeah, because this time they're like, Oh no, we're, there's not really a minority or a Latino population in the country. (laughs) It's only on the West coast, you know, you know, and it's just nonsense.
2: Yeah. So I was pretty surprised. That was the, the, of all the canvassing that I've done, I've never had a neighborhood be so heavily for one candidate.
0: Would you say that it was for Bernie or was it for again, oh, against, it against was for Bernie? It was for, well, what I mean is, is that what is there a lot of against Trump type of no, he, no, it was, no it, for was for, it was for Bernie, yeah. It's Medicare for all, is what it is, It's because it's it's
2: uh, it was more than that. I mean, these are this is a Latino community, so you got immigration, sure. Um, I mean, there's definitely people who see the threat that Trump represents. Um, I didn't, I we didn't get into a lot of those details, but when I'm talking to them it's like, I didn't really have to sell them. I would say, Hey, how you doing? Um, Wanted to talk about the election coming up. And they're like, almost immediately. Oh yeah, we're for Bernie. That's that's awesome. (laughs) That's awesome.
0: So that did go well. And I'm sure the experience was great. I mean, all these things that I've been watching your videos a little bit, and I mean, I don't catch all of them, but I've watched some of your videos and the passion that you have now, I do want to touch on this before we move on from the talk about the canvassing. Your experience with G- with Jane, Jane Sanders, Jane Sanders, yeah, yeah.
2: Tell us about that. Okay, so in I had the opportunity to see Jane in Iowa, and this is Bernie Sanders' wife, Bernie Sanders' wife, Jane Sanders. So in Iowa, she came out to a small coffee shop event right next to the office that we were canvassing out of, and so I volunteered for a whole bunch of events in Iowa, uh, to help out with the campaign. But for this one, I actually just sat and watched Jane's and at the end, I got a chance to talk to her just briefly as she was, as she was walking out. But, um, the backstory to this and the reason why I, w- I wanted to talk to her was because in 2016 I was in Philadelphia. I was a plus one to the national convention and As a plus one, I I was only able to be inside the convention for one day. I was in there for the first day. The rest of the time, I was outside with the protesters. And there was thousands of protesters in Philly. And I decided uh, we had gotten these swag bags that came with us being part of the Oregon delegation. And they came with these little black books that are like personal diaries. And I decided that I was going to spend my time that week going around and getting those, getting that book filled up with heartfelt stories to Bernie from the people out protesting because I knew that uh, Bernie was gonna come to our breakfast delegation Thursday morning that week and he was gonna give a speech. And so I thought, oh, if I do this, I'm gonna be able to give it to him. So I ended up filling out three of those books oh, wow. with yeah. stories for them. And one of them in particular sat with me even to this day, and it was this young tough kid uh, wearing a tank top, and you know, just strong, strong kid out protesting. Right. And uh, I, I asked him. I said, "Hey, you want to fill out this uh, a heart, give a heartfelt story to Bernie? I'm going to be able to give it to him on Thursday morning." And uh, the kid says, "Yeah, sure." So he grabs it and he sits there and he looks at it for a second, and then he he just started crying. And he had to, he gave me the book back. He's like, "Give me a, give me a few minutes. Uh, I can't do it right now." And so I was like, sure. Okay. And I gave it back to him a minute later and he was able to fill it out. But that's, it's that kind of emotion that filled up that book. And so I was able to give that to him. I gave it to Bernie that Thursday morning. And that was four years ago. I hadn't heard anything since I've had no interactions, no chance to find out if he had a chance to look at it. So went to the coffee event with Jane Sanders afterward. I said, Hey Jane, uh, can I talk to you for just a second? She says, sure. And I said, 2016, I did this, I got these books filled out and she looks at me and she gets all, she got a little bit emotional and she's like, that was you. And I was like, yeah. And she says, we loved those. They're sitting on our bookshelf. That is so awesome. So it was, that was the highlight of my trip to Ireland. Yeah. The whole, the whole process. It makes
0: you know you're in, you're doing it for the right reasons. And that's what I had said on the post when you posted the video and you yourself got emotional because it was like yeah. all of my hard work is being, is paying off when I see that not only are these people human, but this is why I'm fighting for them. Yep. Is that and they're and they're fighting for us? I mean, that's why I've supported Bernie from the gate, and why you do too. It's because his campaign. I've got a sticker on my speaker right here. Not not uh, not me. Us. You yep. know, it's about us. Yep. And it's about those. I'm going to sound like a politician here, but it's about those uh Hispanic voters in East L.A. You know, it's about this kid in his muscle tee. You know, I mean, it's all of us. And so I, I thought that video was was really touching because that you had made because you had posted it. And you'd kind of choked up a little bit and it's awesome, you know, just because that I choked up quite a bit.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. I don't ever, I think the last time I had choked up was at the convention four years ago. Sure. So like that is not a normal, no, but it's cool
0: to see. I mean people for different reasons and it's cool when it's a positive feeling because at that, I don't know, there's just a lot there. And, and again, I'm going to say it again for people that are listening to follow your, you've a couple pages, you have your personal page and you also have on Facebook and you also have a, a page that, through what is that
2: yeah uh, there's a page there from when i ran for county commissioner but most of your live feed stuff is is done on your personal page yeah i do the live feed on my personal page and then
0: Oregoncashflowpro.com you've got we're going to talk about that in a bit too
2: oregon cashflow pro i have a page for that too yeah so yeah there, we'll get to that too but i, I for that one i do strictly uh, money management, financial money which, management. which we're
0: gonna get to i mean obviously you're here as a guest today but is the title sponsor for the show there is a way that that Oregon Cashflow Pro ties into the to the coronavirus and COVID nineteen. So we'll talk to about that in a bit. But uh, yeah, that whole Jane Sanders thing was really was really cool to see, to hear, and it's it's a great feeling that they,
2: you know, it's it, it resonated with them. So that's huge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was for me personally, it was vindication on all the efforts that I've spent that it's not going unnoticed. Right by. By the people at the at the top of this campaign.
0: It's not going unnoticed to me, and it's not going unnoticed to my listeners. Uh, you know, Pat, you I know you listen to the podcast. This is a funny side note. Um, you listen to them on like one and a half speed or two speed, two times speed.
2: I'm actually listening to stuff at two and a half times speed. It's now.
0: so insane. So it's that stuff. But uh, uh, you won't have to listen to this one, which is good. But
2: but uh, I do end up listening I to know, it. I know. So
0: around. do I. But And that's a weird thing. But, you know you might miss some of the nuances when you listen at that fast. Cause if you don't know what I'm talking about on, if you're listening on uh, apps that you listen to podcasts, you can speed it up so that you can get more content in and you can do it really fast and they don't affect the pitch so much. And it's insane how James, how you do this because you'll listen at two and a half times speed. And so it's really fast. And so some of the nuances like last week, Pat was giving you some very positive shout outs talking about how how, yeah he said he said something to the effect of if we had if the world was ran by tens of thousands of james barbers it would be a beautiful place i thought that was really cool (laughs) because pat's a cynical guy and you know he's basically buried he's putting dirt on the bernie sanders coffin in his mind which i don't agree with him and i let him go and i love him but you know whatever anyway anyway so uh so what were we talking about? Oh, California and, and and that. I wanted to also, if you didn't have anything else with that, I wanted to talk about the effects of the upcoming uh, primaries because some of them are being suspended. You got yeah. Louisiana and Georgia because of this. So
2: it, it basically started in California. So while I was in California, uh, the coronavirus started to basically take hold here in the US to materialize to mass size. my plan was I was going to get done with California I was going to go to Washington and at least for a few days to canvas up in Washington, but while I was in California, we had the first few deaths, like 6 or 7 deaths in Washington from the coronavirus. And so I have at home, I have a son who has a heart condition and I have to be careful about that stuff. So um we had just gotten the first case, I think in California while I was there too. And it was in LA, which is close to where I was. And I ended up going to the big Bernie rally with public enemy in LA, um, for that. And, you know, it didn't give it much thought because, you know, at the time nobody was thinking about, uh, the latency period for the coronavirus, this 14 day incubation period where nobody knows that they have it. So, uh, it's been, it's been over 14 days now. So I think, so you're I think I made it okay. through. Okay. And, uh, it, and that's the scary thing issues. is
0: that you don't want to rush off and take a test because you might have, because there's people that will need
2: them that, that are higher risk. Yeah. You, know, you can't, not only that, but there's, co- there was costs involved. I mean, the, yeah. there were so many things working against people getting diagnosed that need to be diagnosed. Uh, so that's, that leads us to one of the big challenges that we face with COVID-19 and our healthcare system here and how it's working against fighting a pandemic. Uh, People at the very start of this, somebody had come back from China and they went to, they lived in Florida. So they came back to Florida from China and decided, Oh, I better get tested. They went and got tested and it cost them $3,000. Wow. And that story gets out. Who's going to go get tested? Sure. You've got half the country that can't, survive a uh, or they don't have $400 in the bank for a $400 emergency how are they going to pay $3,000 and that's on top of
0: so I want to say something real quick that last week when I interviewed Pat I made a few jokes and I'm going to make jokes because that's how I process stuff sure but I'm not apologizing because I've learned that doesn't—that's not a good idea. <laughs> but, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, which is wrong in my personal lives, I'm one of the first to apologize. I'll own my mistakes, and I'm not. This isn't like I'm like oh I really messed up. But I made some jokes about coronavirus, and, and early on, that's dangerous, you know. And I've learned that that is dangerous because. It is. There's so much. This is, this is massive. There's so many people like your son that it can affect. Yeah. And I, I, it, it's something that I want to take not lightly in my own thing. And so I'm going to, I'll make jokes about toilet paper and things like that on Facebook, <laughs> because I think people look for that. They turn, there's a sense of calming when you have this dark humor that I do have but at the same time, I'm not taking this lightly. I mean, we've did the whole, we had to do the hoarding thing. We had to go grocery shopping naturally because it was time because we go to Costco right. every two weeks and we had to go. And my girlfriend had to get up at five o'clock in the morning to go to Winco. And, and I understand why it's because here pretty soon they might shut off all business. And yeah. so you had talked about I mean, regardless of the fear of how many deaths there is, because people are making stupid comparisons where they're saying things like more people have died from smoking. And it's like this. Okay. For one thing, smoking isn't contagious. If you're within a certain amount of distance, you can't touch the table and then all of a sudden die from smoking, you know, from someone else smoking. This is ridiculous. But, uh, you know, it's just it's changed i mean it's changed a lot in the in the time from last week and from 2 weeks ago when we started talking about this whole thing yeah it's a much different thing and then obviously for me which people can clown on me for this but once basketball was canceled i'm like oh shit like this is real it's
2: serious yeah that i think that made it serious for a lot of people you know uh, i noticed that people were not really concerned the the stores were fully stocked nobody was out Packing the stores until after that. Right. Once that happened, suddenly the stores filled up here locally, yeah. even though we don't have any cases locally. But I think that's I think that's okay. Like you mentioned, hoarding. There's only a few people that have been hoarding, and those are the like Amazon resellers who did right. that in order changing, to try and make a buck, changing
0: the the cost. But I
2: don't think for the most part people are hoarding. No, I think I think what we got used to was. Being able to just go at any day, any time that we want and just go get what we need. And we only need to get enough for a couple of days. This is why grocery stores, supermarkets, they all work on just-in-time inventory where they only keep enough for a couple of days worth of inventory, uh, which is going to be part of the challenge that we face coming up. But what we see is people don't normally have their shelves stocked for any type of emergency that's why anytime you get a threat of a snowstorm suddenly everybody gets out and they stock up that's the only thing that happened here i think people just got stocked up to what would typically be a normal level of food you keep in your house which is enough food for a few
0: weeks or a month sure i mean and then you have miscellaneous stuff left over you got the ramen noodles with shrimp in them you know because no one's going to touch that crap that's right but but you know i mean we had Dana, my girlfriend, posted something that has been posted a lot by different people. She she said, look, when the schools close, and that was another thing, that's mm-hmm. actually bigger than the basketball, let's be yep. real. The basketball is something for my entertainment, but it, at the big scheme of things, that's to distract me from what really matters. And I know that, and because I, I can do both. I can chew gum and walk at the same time, but maybe. But uh, <laughs> Dana had said something about the kids that are going to be missing lunch, you know, and so schools have stepped up, and I think it... It's great that schools are actually still providing it if it's possible. Now, what she had said and what a lot of people are doing is they will make it happen. So like if you have a kid and you can't get the kid to the school, we'll take them or we'll take the food to you. You know, we'll we'll figure it out. And so that's one of the things that she wanted to stock up because there's going to be people like we have a bunch of frozen turkeys because we did the whole Winco deal where if you buy $100 worth of groceries, you get a free turkey. And we're like, we might as well get them. And there's people have been telling, it's like, hey man, if things get desperate enough, just let me know. We'll make sure you have food. Because it's not even the risk of the shelves not being stocked. It's the fact that it could get to a point where everything is shut down.
2: And yes. Yeah. So right now, what you're, there's no there's, we still have the regular shipments. So stores are getting stuff every day, every other day, whatever their regular schedule was. That could change yeah, Trump at is, any point.
0: Trump is talking about banning travel around the country. I mean, that's a real possibility. That's where we're at right now. I don't see
2: that won't happen with the shipping. Um, But with for one, for one reason, uh, when we talk about social distancing, truck drivers don't aren't, aren't any risk. They're driving in the trucks by themselves or with their travel partner. Uh, So they can still do the shipping and not have to worry about that. You know, I mean, I think
0: there's different statistics, but if, if it can be alive, the virus can be alive on an inanimate object like food Yep. For a certain amount of days, but then the travel time is probably going to, it's not going to live. Hopefully, Possibly,
2: but I think what people, so on my, cha- on my YouTube channel, I talked, I did a couple of live streams about the coronavirus and things that I think people need to watch out for and be aware of. So I'd recommend checking that out, uh, Oregon Cash Flow Pro on YouTube. And I'm, my next video is going to drop later today. I'm, I'm editing it right now. This is a big one. And it's, it's about. Uh, managing your personal finances in, right now in the right. coronavirus. But some of the things I, I talk about some of these risks when it comes to um, what people need to watch out for as far as their jobs, uh, the impact of this and what it could eventually be. Like I actually think this could be uh, a very deep, long recession yes. because of this. But, but it's not starting out that way. And what we're going to see is that it's, it's going to keep progressing as people lose their jobs. It's going to have this trickle down effect that is going to cause other businesses to lay off another business. And then when those yes. people lay off, they're going to affect other businesses. And so right now you've seen it in the airline industry, I think laid off 40 or 70% of their workers. I think it was 70% of their workers after nine 11, they had only laid off 40%. Yeah, so I mean that's a it's huge, huge, huge. You know, difference. in
0: two thousand eight, when we had the crisis, I was cutting hair in West Eugene, and Hynix closed at the same time. Now there were different reasons because Hynix closed because Hynix had a five year tax break, mm-hmm. and so when they closed, and I did some fuzzy math, and by no means am I a mathematician, but I had done twenty haircuts in a day, and seventeen people told me that they lost their job within the last week, which is insane. Wow. I'll never forget this day, and this is a different circumstance because those people. Because of the financial crisis, they lost their job, but because, and then Heinrich closing in Lane County, they lost their job. There's still jobs though. They just had to reposition. And and a lot of those people landed on their feet in a situation with a pandemic, you're not going to just go into another business and be like, do you have any extra spots that you could fill, you know, even part-time, right? Because- Nobody, it's everybody's affected. Yeah. You know, and as of right now, I'm a barber. And so I work with the public and I'm just taking the precautions. We're, we're using the Lysol. We're doing the, the, what is it? The high five where we're doing all the steps, washing our hands. I wear gloves, you know, now when I've, and I've been doing that before this, cutting hair, wearing, wearing gloves, because it's just. Actually, it's because of hair slivers. To be honest, you get little hair that pokes into your skin and I'm just, I'm over it. I've been cutting hair for 20 years, but that's a whole different thing. But we're doing everything we can. Our, our my boss has, has been great. He, uh, we found a couponer. I wanted to talk about this and a, and a shout out to Kyle Rainey. If you're listening and your mom, Anna, that, oh man, I just told their names on public. No, but they, <laughs> because they're like, don't tell anyone. No, but they are couponers because Kyle, a good friend of mine is, has cerebral palsy. And so one of the things he does as a hobby is he coupons and I give him shit and he loves it. But this is when it's really paid off because I was literally like, what if we can't find toilet paper, you know? And it sounds silly. Cause I mean, we're making jokes about it, but it's literally hard to find. And he's like, Oh man, I got my mom into it. She lives in town. Cause he lives on the coast. And sure enough, I went over there and she had Lysol wipes. And a lot of the things that you need because they get them, you know, they end up spending like six bucks to get like, 500 but whatever you know it's crazy and it and and he's really made it a fun hobby of his because he can he doesn't he's limited on how much work hours he can put in physically and but he's a badass still and so this has really paid off so we ended up getting some stuff from them and then we were able to find toilet paper it's such a crazy world right now
2: <laughs> well for people that are low on toilet paper just know that we there are still shipments going out every day. Right. So it's not, it's it's not going to be out and out yet. You'll still be able to find some. And then I would also recommend, uh, check the baby wipes section. Sure. Baby wipes work. Just as good. Yeah. So just know, how, and, and, just uh, know most... how a
0: septic tank works. Don't be putting paper towels up in there. But you yeah. know, what I was going to say is my boss, he went and met up with her and he bought like, a, I think he said $180 worth of cleaning supplies. And we've been really doing our due diligence on the shop and keeping it clean for every customer and whatnot. And so I mean, we're doing our part, but when we work with the public in, one of the things I love about my job is being on campus and it's international students and then students from all over the country. So people travel a bunch. So this whole Everybody with the cancellation of, of in, in school classes, because all classes are now at the university of Oregon are online, people are going to be going all over the country. And I've already seen reports today that public schools might have to be closed. The CDC recommends eight weeks. And so that, yeah. that changes from three weeks to, you know, to eight weeks, there's going to be people losing their homes. And then, I mean, this is going to be really interesting how it plays out.
2: Yeah. Um, it's interesting because I pulled my kids out of school a few days well, middle of last week yeah, before any of this emergency procedures went in. Cause I just, I was paying attention and I'm seeing the stories come out of Italy. And the problem is that people are not isolating themselves. And so when you don't do, when you don't get self-isolation, you don't see this thing spreading until it's too late. Uh, when you realize that, there's an infection when somebody has this virus, you know, a hundred other people have already had it because from that one person. Um and so I saw the writing on the wall, you know, I've got the kid who I've got to worry about. So I didn't end up going to Washington because of that. And I ended up pulling the kids out of school. And it was like two days later the governor declares a Yeah. You know, emergency here. And then, and and prior to that, when I decided to pull my kids out of school, I went to the school. I said, what's the plan? What are you guys doing for this? And they said, well, the direction from the state at that point was we get try and hold out until, uh, spring break, which was like two weeks later. And I'm like, that doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. The coronavirus ain't going to hold out. Right. You know, I mean, when this thing hits, it's going to hit. So what we've learned throughout the world is that the best way to tackle this thing is to self-isolate. Everybody just basically plan on taking two weeks out yeah. because what's going to happen in those two weeks, the virus doesn't disappear, but you're going to be able to identify everybody that was infected. Right. And once we identify those people, now we can, stay separated away from them. We can isolate them we as can quarantine them as researchers. And everybody else can basically go on with their life sure. and researchers in Canada and everywhere. I'm sure. But in
0: Canada right now, they're making breakthroughs from what I've been reading towards a vaccine, but it's, that's still going to be a long time out, you know, and that's, that's yeah. so, yeah, it's, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty interesting what's happening yeah. with it all. So Massive to, effects. So tonight there's a big debate and I wanted to touch on this and we're going to talk a little bit about Biden and some flack that you've gotten on Facebook Because you have called out, so tonight, when you listen to this, you might listen on Monday, you might listen Tuesday. I'll be putting it out here pretty soon, which it's Sunday morning right now. But there's a debate between Bernie and Biden, and this is really big for Bernie, because this might be it. This might be the last chance that he has to show that, for one, he's the right candidate, and for two, that Biden has cognitive issues. It could be,
2: unless they continue canceling primaries. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, could but end I, up dragging on a little bit longer, and I think that
0: that's not necessarily a bad thing. But no, talk no, no. talk a little. I mean, we got to do what we got to do to say stay, stay right. safe, but I'm also saying strategically, politically, I think that it might benefit Bernie in the long run. If the longer he's absolutely, in the, the because, longer he's in the conversation.
2: Well, the longer it's one on one, and Biden has to basically hide his cognitive decline yeah, from so, the world. So, uh, the harder the harder it's going to be if it if it's more time. So
0: I mentioned it earlier, and and that you have been adamant that we have to have a primary we have to actually go through the process of not saying blue no matter who before we're there you know that we will support the candidate yes but we're that gets the nomination but that also means that we need to hold the dnc accountable that the dnc can't just pick the candidate the people have to pick the candidate and that you know you need to call out the things that in november are going to destroy the candidate if it's for example biden because it is not hard to see. I mean, I've been telling people they're like, well, the media narrative. I'm like, no, 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 not media narrative. I test. You can watch with your own eyes, Biden and Trump be absolute. Like brainless imbeciles
2: in certain, in certain situations, you know? Yeah. I mean, one of them has more compassion than the other, but they both have some mental. (laughs) And the empathy that Biden is known for is, is, is there. I do believe that. I I think. So uh, let me just sit preface this when I talk about the cognitive decline for Biden. Uh, the scenario is this is not that the media is trying to paint this as a Bernie and a Trump smear attack. That is not the case. No. So like the, if you paid attention at all to Biden in the past and you see the Biden today, it is not the same person. Totally. I went back and I watched the 2018 speech that he gave to the Brookings institution on Uh, Middle-class and it was a great speech. I expected to just watch a few minutes that have to do with him uh, talking about um, Cuts to Social Security what it's not mentioned as cuts, but it's mentioned as um, You know, you've got to do something with Social Security and the It's implied that it it means cuts, right? And so I I wanted to go hear that I ended up listening to the whole 55-minute speech because it, was speed. because it was no, really it was... good. No, actually, I actually listened to it at regular <laughs> I, speed, I know, but I'm it was really kidding. good. And it showed a lot of empathy. He'd used, he did it. No notes. There was no teleprompter right. that I could see right. 55 minutes. And he was all there. This was two years ago. Wow. <clears throat> so within those, between then and now two years, he cannot do that now. He can't go 55 minutes. He didn't go rambling off at all in those speeches. His stutter wasn't a problem. Now, a lot of the issues that we see today, people want to attribute that to his stutter. I don't think that's the case. Like, his stutter has definitely gotten worse in this campaign, and that could be due to the added pressures. Fatigues but,
0: and all kinds of stuff, yes.
2: And, and possibly with age, he might be having a harder time controlling it. I don't care about stutter right stutter doesn't matter uh you can kind of tell when he's blocking and having to change words because of that but there's also some forgetfulness he's definitely not there there's there's a significant cognitive decline it does not mean he has dementia um but he's not the same person that he was and what does that mean because that's that decline is very very quickly just within the last two years it's been massive How much quicker is it going to continue to go, and what can we expect from that? How is he going to run the? Who's going to be running the country if somehow he gets elected? Yeah, and that's exactly. Let me say that Trump. That's what I was going to say. If Trump hammers this, well, here's 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 my biggest concern. Uh, People can believe that Biden will have good people around him. And, you know, they'll be helping make all these decisions and everything will be fine. It'll still be better than Trump. They'll be better than Stephen Miller. But he's got to get past Trump. And right now the media is protecting him and they're acting like, uh, well, they're basically gaslighting us, telling us that what we see in here, we don't see in here. Yeah. Uh, That he's not experiencing cognitive decline but what will happen is as soon as he clinches the nomination suddenly the media is going to wake up to it because trump's going to hammer it over and over and the media is suddenly going to be on this 24 7 story about the biden's cognitive decline and he's going to lose to trump
0: and you're saying That's media but happen. i mean fox news is already going to hammer it home i mean it's, it's absolutely insane. they already You are. know so one of the worst things you can be called in politics especially at us at the um, highest level executive branch is a puppet And that's the biggest fear that people in the Democratic, that I see, is that he will be called a puppet. That's what George Bush, George W. Bush was called forever. And I mean, of course, he was
2: duly elected. Well, no. Well, people won't know who's actually making the decisions. Yeah. That's the the problem. And people who don't pay attention to politics, they want to know that the person who's there that they can see is the one making those decisions. And there's a chance it's not.
0: We've talked about this ad nauseum about the failures of the Democratic Party. So if the Democratic Party establishment is the ones making the decision, how's that going to go? So this is the thing is that if you're listening to this very important thing in Oregon, you need to be registered as a Democrat in the primary to vote for Bernie Sanders. So listen to this right now and then go when you're done and go to vote.org register not as an independent you need to be voted registered as a democrat to vote in the primary i think the deadline is coming up it's like april 16th or 21st or somewhere Yeah, i think it's april 21st so so you cannot wait until then you need to go now and re-register again at your new address or if you've moved or anything like that as a democrat even if you hate the party doesn't matter because if you're going to support bernie you have to be registered as a democrat and so do that so that we can make this happen because what's happening in this country, as far as electability, it's populism. You have a populist on the right, and you have a populist on the left. The difference is that you get fear on the right, and you get empathy on the left with Bernie Sanders. This is why we've been talking about this from the gate. I've endorsed Bernie Sanders. I think you have. Absolutely. I'm just joking. I'm just Absolutely. joking. Yeah. No, you've done everything you can for Bernie Sanders. I don't know if you've made the official endorsement. No, but yeah. So the, the debate tonight will be obviously after... You might be listening to this after it airs and we'll see how it goes i'm optimistic that it's going to be a big night for bernie and so we'll see how it's covered and all that stuff because people like the audacity of him going after joe you know but <laughs> but uh i do have to get out of here because we're at that that point point. and so james it's awesome to have you on always i love what you're doing the work that you're doing across the country and it's really i've learned More from you, this is a bold statement. I've learned more from you about politics than I've learned from anyone in my entire life. And I think that that's a huge thing because you believing in me being my fourth guest for this show and then now I think this is the sixth time or seventh time that you've been on. You deserve a a green jacket or whatever they give to the (laughs) people on Saturday Night Live and the masters and all that crap. No, but I do appreciate what you do. You're my title sponsor. You're a good friend of mine. This is always fun. So I do have an exciting announcement to make. Um, about an upcoming music release. So as you've given me crap on the show about this too, I've, I've dropped the name Self-Esteem but Willie officially. And I'm going now something more, more personal, Patty Rose. On St. Patrick's Day, I'm dropping a five-song EP of new songs with all live instrumentation. It's called From the Dead. So Patty Rose, From the Dead. And I'm really proud of it. And I worked with Roger McConnell, who played bass and guitar on songs. And then Joey Helpish, who I've been friends with forever. He taught me a lot about Music, a lot of that I know about music. The artwork was done by Kelly Moniger. You'll be seeing my posts. If you click on the show notes of this, if you're on Facebook and and it says, uh, Patty Rose, click on that and then follow that page. That's really important to me because I'll be dropping the, the EP on Spotify on Tuesday, March 17th, St. Patrick's day. If you want to listen early though, you can go to my website, which is strpod.com. Slash music, and you can listen to it right now. So that's a really big treat. So we're going to end it with one of the songs, the title song from the EP called From the Dead. And so, James, thanks again for doing this. Thanks a lot. So this is me, Patty Rose, from the Dead.
1: An artist challenges themselves by writing the soundtrack to their life while fighting. It hurts to purchase script so personal. We, we let the, the burden flow from the, the verses from the soul. A listener can create their own connection by pressing play on the release collection, finding out how it speaks volumes to the heart. This is when I knew it was time to start scribbling some thoughts into my Google Docs and get this passion out of my head. Scribbling some thoughts into my Google Docs as passion. Patty Rose from the dead. Scribbling some thoughts into my Google Docs and get this passion out of my head. Scribbling some thoughts into my Google Docs as Patty Rose from the dead. From the dead, from the dead, from 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 from the dead. Scribbling some thoughts into my Google Docs and get this passion out of my head. Scribbling some thoughts into my Google Docs as Patty Rose from the dead. Scribbling some thoughts into my Google Docs and get this passion out of my head. Scribbling some thoughts into my Google Docs as Patty Rose from the dead. from from the dead from the dead from from the dead from the dead from from the dead from the dead from from the dead patty rose from the dead